Uh, but we're, if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It'll also be on your screens. We're going to dive right in here uh, because for the sake of time, but also um, God's put a message on our heart, and uh, we are concluding our It's Not You, It's Me series. We've talked about relationships. We've, uh, we've talked about, I, I specifically talked about the first week, It's Not You, It's Me. It's actually me, you know, like our, our own issues, our own problems. Then the next week, uh, Katie talked about friendships, Right? And then uh, last week I talked a little bit about family and how there's a savior set up. And this week we're getting ready to talk about relationships. Like what kind of relationships? Because we've been talking about relationships. I know, but I, I just was waiting to hear the dramatic pause to see how quiet everybody got. Romantic relationships. Romantic relationships this week. It's going to get steamy. It's I'm kidding. hot in here. <laughs> Don't say oh. the next line. My word. <laughs> I won't. Anyways, I won't. but let's greet our Facebook Live. Our Facebook Live is, uh, it, let's greet them that comes from all over the world. We have Pakistan. We have uh, Brazil. It's just a variety of different places. But uh, as we're concluding this collection of talks uh, on, this is specifically on romantic relationships, we're really going to dive into this. Uh, and we're not shy to talk about things that God tells us to talk about, Right? Like, we want to confront things. We don't want to be secretive about talking about things that are real, like sex. <gasps> he said it. Like, honestly, like, we want to be real when we talk about it. And we want to go and take the mask off, even when we're up here talking about our story or talking about the specific things about it's not you, it's me. And so, um, really, we're discussing this, and I, I, we want you to live it out. That's why we have sermon notes that are in the church info guide where you can actually take notes, uh, and you can, you know, there's extra margins for you to, for, to write extra notes too. Uh, and I think that every person along the course, uh, wherever you are in your journey, can take something from this message today. So we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians 7. I don't traditionally do this, read out of the Message Bible, but today I'm going to do that. Is that okay? Okay, just checking. Uh, if you said no, I'd still do it. Anyways, uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's on your screen. It says, now getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me, first, it is a good thing to have sexual relations. So listen, the 1 Corinthian church, Paul planted the church. Now he's writing, the, the, he's writing a response to the letter that he received. So he received a letter from the Corinthian church. Now he's responding in this letter right here. So this is just simply a letter. It says, uh, it's a good thing to have sexual relations. Certainly, but only within a certain context. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balance and, fulfill, and a fulfilling sexual life in the world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Hello. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and if it's for the purpose of fasting and prayer, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm, I understand, or I, I'm not understand commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of single life to some, the gift of married life to others. I do, though, tell the unmarried and the widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them as it has been for me. Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't that powerful? A powerful passage of scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Today, the title of our message, the title of our message is, What's Your Status? Look at your neighbor and say, What's Your Status? Come on, it's kind of like that Facebook. You see that, you know, married, it's complicated, it's complicated single, in a relationship. You've all seen those, seen those things, but we're we going to pray. Talking this, oh, you oh go ahead. You can, yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. We were just talking this week with Lucas, and Lucas was, like, telling about this funny story. Um, uh, There's some people in our church, yeah. Some other people in the church um, on, like, when you change the Facebook status. Yeah. Like, it's official. Yeah, Facebook official. Right? <laughs> it's Facebook official, yeah. right? The, the what's your status. I'm yeah. sorry. I it's all right. I was meaning to diverge. No, you're, you're fine. So let's pray. Father, we love you. God, give us uh, wisdom as we navigate this uh, situation. And I pray that your word is proclaimed aloud, um, Lord, that it comes from a place of love. And Lord, I pray right now that you have your way in this place. Open ears, eyes, and hearts for what you're going to do in your name. Amen, amen. So we're going to dive right in today to our message. I'm not going to delay and tell a story right away. I, I just really want to dive in because I think there's a lot of content that we can use. And, and, and as you can see this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is t- really talking to the Corinthian church, and he's really taking the mask off and being real. He's not saying how, like, how he expects it. He's saying how it is. And I think a lot of times we, we try to kind of candy coat things when sometimes they just need to be said how they really are. And, and I really believe that, that we do a lot of maintenance in our relationships. We do a lot of healing in our relationships, but we don't do a lot of preparation for the relationship. Hello. Oh, got quiet a little bit. We got a couple of amens. We don't do a whole lot of preparation for relationships. We, we, we kind of go to marriage counseling, but we don't, I think, even in our singleness, don't even prepare ourselves personally for what marriage is going to, like what marriage is and, and really the body of marriage, because it's hard from time to time, right? It's really hard. And I, I think, yeah, I think when speaking to, you know, going into relationships, by the way, this is going to be kind of a conversation. I know that we don't do this a lot, but this is going to be a dialogue. Right. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. If we're just kind of talking back up in yeah. front of, you know, everybody here. Um, but, you know, how you prepare yep. um, will determine um, whether you f- pass or fail, right? If you, if you have a test, right, how you prepare for that test will usually determine how well you do on the test. Hello. And um, if you uh, uh, fail to prepare, you, you prepare to fail. You will prepare to fail. Yep. And so preparation for your relationships has to be a forethought um, when, when, when moving forward and, yeah. and wanting a healthy God-honoring relationship. But, but I mean, right? Russell Wilson says it like this. Separation is in the preparation, meaning that when you prepare and you prepare, you start to separate yourself from other people, right? Wow, it's quiet in here. We're hitting home, babe. We're hitting well, home. either that or they don't get it. Uh, I know we're, that could be the case, too. We're not explaining it. Anyways, right, but, but, so. but one thing I do want to say as we dive into singleness is that your, 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 uh, your singleness may be the issue in your relationship, meaning that right now you might be in a relationship, but what happened in the past, being single, might have been the, the current issue in your relationship because of what's happened in the past. Yeah, your preparation process may not have been the healthiest in your singleness, and so you might be dealing with that now in your marriage relationship or in your dating relationship. It may be how you are interacting. And so, you know, I really think that we needed to talk about singleness and dating and marriage in that order this morning. And so your singleness, number one, is 
you are set apart, not set aside. That's I think so a lot of times women in particular can feel like a sing being single um, means we are being we're cast aside. We have been set aside. God, why aren't you bringing the right man? God, why am I not married yet? Why am I this? And so the uh, the re I think what the tendency for um, I don't want to speak on just behalf of women because I think maybe men can feel this way as well, but we can feel set aside or cast aside or if we long to be married, why isn't it happened for me? But what I what I really believe that the Bible says is when you are single, you are set apart. You're not set aside. Right. And you are set aside for a specific purpose. Let me tell you something. Singleness is not a sentence. It's a season. And if you are the person that Paul was talking about that has the gift of singleness, that's something different. And that, that is for a reason. It's for a purpose. But you are set apart. And so in Hebrews 10, 10, it says we have been set apart as holy because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And there are benefits of singleness. So Paul goes into, if you're in a single season, there are benefits to it. There's only like one person that agrees, but I am going to share with you those benefits. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. In uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35, it says, for a single man is focused on the things of the Lord and how he may please him. But a married man is pulled into direction. Hello. Yes. <laughs> For he is concerned about both the things of God and the things of the world in order to please his wife. And the single woman is focused on things of the Lord so she can be holy both in body and in spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. I am trying to help you and make things easier for you, not make things difficult, but so that you would have undistracted devotion, serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. You see, the benefit of singleness here is that you, you have the benefit of focus. Right? Because people can distract. Relationships can distract our focus from God. And so he's saying, if you, are, if you are in a single season, okay, it actually is for your benefit that you can focus more of your attention on what God is doing in your life in this season. Because like I said, if you are single and you long to be in a relationship, if you long to be married, single is a season, okay? It's not a sentence. You haven't been set aside. You've been set apart for this season. But what if I don't think I have the gift? Of singleness and what if I long to marry um, does that mean right now I'm experiencing second best nope nope one person over there agrees it is not second best when Paul speaks of singleness as a gift he isn't speaking of a particular ability some people have to be contentedly single when Paul is talking about singleness, he's speaking of the state of being single. And as long as you have it, it is a gift right. from God. Right. But sometimes we have to shift our perspective of what singleness is. It's not a sentence. It's a season. And if it's a season, then there is a reason for it, okay? And Jesus is the reason for the season. And it's not just Christmas time, right. all right? <laughs> all right? It's a gift, and if you see it and view it as a gift, God will bless you, and he will sanctify you, and he will prepare you for what he has prepared for you in your relationships, okay? Does that make sense? And, and culture has defined single, singleness as a plague, honestly. Our culture does. 
it's, it's the culture that we've allowed to influence the, the church. And I think the church needs to rise up and influence the culture in this. That's saying singleness is not a bad thing. Singleness is a good thing because then you aren't distracted on all the other things. You're distracted on who God is in your life. Amen? You can focus on, your, on the season. That's right. Right? Just be like, if I'm single and it's a season and I know that God has some, somebody for me in the future, then I can, I can maximize this That's season. right. Yeah. It's meant to be maximized yep. and prepared yep. because how you prepare pair in singleness will determine how healthy you are in a relationship. So I'll just give you kind of our backstory of preparation because um, we've got two different tracks going here um, with our story. And if you're not familiar with our story, um, I'm going to Google it. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. That's so not <laughs> appropriate. Um you can read all of our Facebook statuses <laughs> <Yeah>. from 2009. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Um, so basically, um, this guy was raised in um, a Christian home. Uh, he was raised in the church. He went to kids' church. He was raised. He went to a Christian school. I was there every week, every day. My, yeah, my parents, like my mom worked at the school slash church. So Monday I was at Mother's Bible or Women's Bible Study. Tuesday I was at, you know, uh, we, we had Tuesday night choir practice. Wednesday, I mean, I was at church every single day of my life. Okay, the, but babe, they the don't need the to know doors your open, schedule. I know, but the but moment the doors open, I was there. And I think that there's something to that. Right? There's something to that, that when, you, when yeah. the doors are open, there's something special that happens when you're there. That's right. That's right. That'll preach. Um, I also... Yeah, it will. <laughs> I was also raised in a Christian home, though. Um, yep. But we went two different ways um, when we started dating and roman in terms of romantic relationships and that kind of thing. And um, the preparation process that each of us took was very different on how we prepared for marriage. You see, I had a lot of insecurities as a high school girl. Um, I didn't have a solid foundation of who really Jesus was in my life, and I've shared multiple times that I didn't really become a follower of Jesus until I was 19, and so high school can be real damaging. <laughs> it was. Um, in high school, I, I had a boyfriend all the time, um, would, would never not have somebody that I was connected to because there was a level of value that I needed to feel by who I was attached to, uh, particularly uh, wanted athletes that were um, like star athletes because I felt like this level of importance um, and my status, right, being connected to them. And so I would just jump from relationship to relationship in high school. And, you know, that's not a healthy preparation process. I eventually ended up losing my virginity um, the week before I moved to college. And what's interesting is that I had already met Todd. And when I had met Todd, I was a virgin, if you want to hear some dirt. And uh, I met him before, uh, I met him in the, in the winter. Yep, February of, of 2001. Winter of 2001. And it wasn't Todd, yeah. Um, and then when I... We got back together at school in the fall of 2001. Um, I had given my virginity away to somebody else. Um, and, you know, the process, I could talk a lot about grace and how this man has showed me a lot of grace um, in our entire relationship. But that was the first time when he just looked at me and I had to tell him that I had done that. And he looked at me and he just said, I just, I just want you to know I forgive you. And it hurts, but I forgive you. That was the first time I had really received grace from a human, the grace of Jesus, where I was totally 
for forgiving or are forgiven and um I wasn't even planning to share that actually so maybe somebody needed to hear that but the process of my preparation of going into marriage left wounds in me that I now had to carry into my marriage and we didn't even start dealing with the stuff that I was uh that I had chosen to do um, until after the first, maybe second year of marriage. Because the first year of marriage is kind of like the honeymoon year, you know, like everything's sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> your first year. And then the gloves come off, and you're like, this is really. And so my preparation, that's why we're talking about singleness is a preparation se season. And how you prepare in season will determine how healthy your marriages and your relationships are. And actually, I was going to share that he actually did the opposite of what I did. He never had very, he never had, you had two like serious girlfriends. I mean, they're high school, school girlfriends. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they are. Nothing they are. serious. Yeah, in nothing high like, I mean, they were serious, like, but it wasn't like. He uh, had two girlfriends, yeah. though, mm -hmm. um, and they were spread apart. It's not like he needed to have somebody all the time. And then... Um, I was really busy playing sports, <laughs> just to be honest. Uh, Didn't have time for that. <laughs> Another good plug for sports, <laughs> guys. Get your kids in sports. <laughs> we don't, you know. Um, but but he, he, w he chose to save himself for marriage, mm -hmm. and that is something... <laughs> um, it is actually a really, uh, I think, amazing accomplishment um, because he was preparing for what he knew God had for him. And we share that today not to make anybody feel um, less than about your preparation process right. because um, God can do anything, yeah. right? He can turn any relationship yep. around. He can restore anything. But we just wanted to share really kind of our perspective and our point of view um, from somebody who prepared the way that I prepared versus the way that he prepared. And because of the way that he prepared in singleness, he was actually, he was strong enough to help me through the stuff that I brought into our marriage, right? Yeah. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that I mean, Marriage is, is really a, a, a way, it kind of exposes things, because as you draw one another closer, it exposes things. But in those early, early days of my decision to just do that and to uh, commit to being a virgin until I was married, and everyone said, I was always kidded about that. I was always made fun of that. Uh, oh, well, you don't know, you know, if, if you're physically compatible, well, you know what, I don't need to know. Because I need to know what Jesus said about me, and this is what he said about me, and I'm going to operate in that, and that for me, is a level of confidence because she's my one and only, and I'm good with that forever, honestly. And then with her, like, like we just have this mutuality and, and, and the stuff that, so that thus doing it the way God designed us to do it, guess what? I don't, I don't have certain baggage that I should have. That I had. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's I don't, the truth. I know, but, but walking, in, walking in that, because I believe that our life and our experiences, and we're getting ready to talk about dating, but our life and our experiences, I think, are in a rollaway suitcase. If you've heard me say this before, um, or, and you've heard me preach before, you've probably heard this, is that life is like a, rollaway a roller bag suitcase. We all go to the airports, right? It's crazy at the airports. I mean, like, it's just wild. People have, and especially after 9-11, where everyone is worried about uh, overhead compartment space, you know, like everyone, ha so everyone's dragging their bag. No one ever dragged a bag pre-9-11, so they're dra you drag these bags, and what's in it? Your stuff, all of your stuff, and I think that in relationships, we bring stuff, prior relationships, prior experiences, prior thoughts, prior patterns, prior everything into our relationship, and we walk in with that roll-away suitcase, and we stand there, and we look through the lens of a relationship based upon our past experience. Wow, it's quiet. 
I mean, it's so true because when you're walking in and you have that, you have a certain lens that you're looking through. And, and when you look through that, and no lens is the same, right? Because everyone has had a different upbringing. Everyone's had a different perspective. Everyone has had a different experience in relationships. And I think that there are things that God wants to expose even today that happened in our past. And you could have been married 50 years because of the fact that God wants us to address things in our past so that our marriages and our relationships can be more fruitful. But dating, dating, number two, testing the waters. Testing the water. How many have ever been attracted to someone else? Yeah, every hand, if you have a pulse, your hand should be up. Let's just be honest. Uh, but dating kind of, is a real goofy concept. Isn't it kind of goofy? It's kind of like, how many have ever sold a, a car before? Like you kind of have a, a, you know, like a used car. You hide all of the imperfections. Let's just be real and honest. You hide all the, the imperfections of the car. When you start out. When you, when you, no, when you're when you're starting st- out the dating yeah, process. Yeah, dating process. But you, you, you're hi- you're hiding, you hide all the flaws of selling a car and then w- just hoping to make the sale. And sometimes when we start to date, you hide that. You know, like, oh, uh, you only eat salads. You never eat a burger. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Like, you go. <laughs> He's like, talking like, to the women I'm right talking- now, <laughs> which is totally inappropriate oh, to say. It. I ate burgers. You did. You did. But I'm I saying did. that and there are pizza. Yep, that's true. But what I'm saying in is in front of you is we hide. I held off on the pasta though. So you just keep going. You don't want to. I'm sorry. I, keep I know. I didn't interrupt you. Come on. This is why we don't do this very often. I know, right, you guys? Yes. Uh, and, and really, I, I think we hide our imperfections because we're scared about revealing who we really are. All the time. And I think that we do that even in other relationships. I think we do it in marriage. We put our best foot forward, and we, which I think is good. But I think that there's times when I should be able to come to her as her husband and say, this wounded me. And I can be honest, and I can say, you know what, that really hurt, and I felt disrespected there. And when you can say that and you can have an honest relationship, it changes. Things changes. And ladies, when, when that, if that moment happens, what I would encourage you to do is don't get defensive. Because um, I've, I've been defensive in those moments. Even when he's said it nicely, <laughs> I, I, you know, that's the pride in us that right. it says, uh, oh, no, you're not going to tell me how to. Rah, rah, rah. And yeah. the reality is, is that I, I had to get to a place where I was like, you know what, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that hurt you. Yeah. And um, I won't do it again. Yeah, right. Well, I appreciate that. You're, wa- you're welcome. <laughs> but, but dating awakens desires, hopes, and a lot of confusion. It awakens all of those things. And so we have resorted. I think that what we have done as a culture is we have resorted to a hookup culture. Okay, and I'm just going to be flat out honest we're to a hookup culture. And, and, and what it does is because we're scared to take the mask and be vulnerable in front of a, another person. So we create this idea of of a physical nature in how we communicate and how we hang out and how we talk. So rather than having a real encounter and what we do is we have these chance encounters for momentary circumstances. And then we walk into a relationship that we really want to be in and we wonder why we're so wounded. Just to be honest. Well, the hookup culture, you know, is is more common now because of, you know, you're able you're able to have so much more access right. um, because of the digital media. But you know, hookup culture requires less intentionality to actually to pursue and to know the heart of somebody. Right. Um, you go straight. You do it actually. It's opposite. You you get to know their body first, and then maybe their heart. And the reality is, is that the way that the Song of Solomon, the most prob- probably the most influential book in the Bible about dating and courtship, 
the way that the way leading up to um, them finally being together was this constant pursuit of each other's heart. Um, they were using their words to um, express adoration and, uh, and express affirmation to each other and love and affection to each other to get to know the heart of one another. And I really believe that Song of Solomon is a great picture about how God um, cares and loves for us, too, because right. God is always constantly pursuing our hearts. He's constantly wanting us to know him. And um, he knows us intimately, but he, he, he pursues us so that we would... Um, get to know him back. Right. And so the if we want to take dating, dating, uh, the, that book is really the manual right. for how to have a healthy courtship right. and how to pursue and to know somebody in their heart, uh, in their spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and did you know that the, according to the Journal of Sex and Research says 77.7 .7 of college females admit to hooking up and it's higher for men, 82 point, or 84.2 for college males. And so when you really think about that, that's three almost, f I'm sorry, that's eight almost out of ten roughly for both right. men and women. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. But I believe that there, are few, you know, uh, that, that there are a few things that damage the soul more than casual sexual encounters. I think that because what happens is it's actually proven DNA study that when you have a casual sexual encounter, what happens is part of your DNA stays with that person and it also is, and, and part of their DNA stays with you. You leave something behind that was not meant or intended to be left in that other person. It's meant to actually be, be for husband and wife and that breeds about conne uh, that connection piece. And so I'm not saying up here, standing up here being judgmental in any way. I, I, want, that, I want everyone to know our heart. that was my story. Yeah, that was your story. That was my story. And... Um, Again, you know, we've had to do a lot of healing. Uh, I have um, had right. to do a lot of healing in this area for us to get to a place in our marriage mm -hmm. where things are healthier right. and communication is much more open about it than right. it used to be. Totally. Um, and so we want we want to share, you know, that God's principles um, do work if you put them into practice. Yeah. And if and if you you know, if if you work them, yeah. they yeah. work. Yeah. Right? If you put God's principles to work, they work. And 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 really, we're not. We're not s sitting up here on a platform saying that because I've done it this way, it's the right way. It is right, but yet, but you're you're part of your story, and there's grace and merit and favor all along God's open hand, and you can restart your story. You could start it today because I had friends that that went and they 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 had sex before they were married, and guess what? They said I'm going to go back and I'm going to restart my story, and they restarted their story and they made a recommitment to who God was, and great things took place. Because you know what? Frankly, let's just be honest. We're all broken people, right? We're all broken people. There's not one person that has it all together in this room. I'm telling you, we're all broken. We need each other. And so I, what I want to do is I want to bring it back to the beginning of the, of the Bible. Can we do that for a moment? If you have your Bibles, Genesis 2.24, because I want to bring it back to the beginning so that we understand the significance of, of where culture and sin created a divide, especially in dating, okay? Read it here. It says uh, in Genesis 2.24, it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. We always hear this at the wedding. Oh, a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his beautiful new bride. We hear that at the wedding. But you know what? This is actually about dating, I believe. I think that this is really important. It happens at marriage, but yet its preparation is in the dating. And so it says, uh, and hold fast to the wife. They, both, or the, uh, they shall become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You see, shame is the biggest thing that we take into relationships. 
Shame is the biggest thing. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, we take shame into relationships, and, we under, and then all of a sudden we get in a relationship, and we're like, you have something to say? I just know it. Go for it. Go for it. No, I just think that, 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 that Adam and Eve had nothing to be ashamed of, right? They ran around naked until they had sin. And I think that the way God designed it is he designed those two to be together, man and woman, just the two of them forever. That was the case. And so the fact when sin came in, shame came in. So think about sin in our relationships. Guess what? When sin is in our relationships, there's a level of shame in our relationships. Thus, we can't live to the level that God has for us because then it's a religious mindset. It's all these things pressing down on us that, that you are a product of your sin. Friend, I come to encourage you, you're not a product of your sin. You have a Savior that loves you. You have a Savior that died for you. And I'm telling you right now, what you've done in your past, leave it in the past, but you have to move forward to the future and the thing about the future is guess what you can't let that past thing re come back up in your future because i know that when i've been with jesus i'm a changed man i can't live the same way i lived in the past i have to live a new way so i can't make the decisions i've made in the past and expect a different result i have to go and i have to step forward and i have to move forward for what god has for me every single time and for you you have to walk in that and you got to leave those past decisions behind you and you have to move forward to what God has for you in your life. Amen? Amen? Okay, now you can share your thought. Thanks. Appreciate it. We moved way beyond that point, though, so we'll keep going. Do you want to keep going? No, we're good. No? I think we're good. Okay. We're okay. So, God completed <laughs> them, not the other person. Would you like to start? Yeah, well, with I, that? I mean, yeah, he, he sure. Totally threw, he threw me off. I so threw like, off. What, what's happened? This is why we don't do this. This yeah. is why. Anyways, but uh, guys. but one thing I okay. I, so in that, Katie and I have learned that, that in our in our relationship and in our marriage, uh, you know, that that we've been hoping that the the whole idea of fifty fifty or or you know, she's my other half. Uh, you know, we're always wearing, waiting for that Jerry Maguire line, you complete me. You know, like, you want that in a relationship? Like, let's just be real. You complete me? Well, that can't be the case, to be perfectly honest, because we don't believe in 50-50. We believe in 100-100. Because you can't operate 50-50. It's not possible. It's not good for you. And, 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 and really, in our preparation, uh, if our preparation hasn't followed the principles, that doesn't mean God won't produce something great in our relationships. Romans 8.28 says this, uh, for all things work together for the good of those who love him, who, have who are called according to his purpose. So there, if you've made mistakes in your relationships, guess what? There's forgiveness, there's grace, but we can move forward. But we can't have this 50-50 relationship and think it's going to work. We have to have 100-100 because Jesus came to save us, correct? And make us whole. He didn't... Another person, she, as much as I love her, I love her with my whole heart, she can't complete me. Not possible. She can compliment me, but she can't complete me. She's the perfect compliment because that's what God designed for me. Marriage. Let's hit it. You guys ready for marriage? Okay. Number three, marriage. Contract versus covenant. Uh, you know, I go into Verizon, and I'm actually planning to go into Verizon soon because I have got an iPhone 8, and it's all jacked up. <laughs> and so I am planning to go get the brand new 11. Pro Max. Pro, yes, Max, which I know we've, we've got the photographers in the room are excited um, about that. So I'm planning on going into Verizon to renew my contract. I'm going to purchase a phone, a nice phone. 
and they are going to insure it for me. They are going to make sure that uh, my calls won't get dropped, that I receive my text messages because that is the service that Verizon is providing. I am, I am in a contract, I am signing a contract to say I will pay you this amount of money for this service and if you don't provide this service for me, I will have to cancel my contract. Vice versa, if I don't pay the bill that they are providing services for, they will leave the contract. Right. They, will, they will terminate the contract with me. And I think the problem with uh, our culture today is that we come into a marriage uh, with a contractual mindset and not a covenantal mindset, okay? We go into it thinking like, uh, maybe some, sometimes we have, we have unspoken and unsaid expectations saying, I've got this expectation of you, and if you don't meet this expectation, you know, by year five, I'm out. Like, whatever those unsaid expectations are that we can bring into relationships in our marriage, those can become this contractual mindset. But God designed marriage to be covenant. And the way covenant works is it's, it's giving. And it's, uh, it is uh, not like what Todd was talking about. It's not the 50-50 idea. It's the 100-100 idea. I give all of myself to him and he gives all of himself to me. He doesn't give 50-50 because he's not a half, he's, he's, he's not giving me half of himself, right? And so the covenantal mindset is what, we're actually living in the new covenant because of what Jesus did for us. Jesus was able to establish a new covenant between us and God that we could be in, in a relationship with God uh, because of what he did on the cross, uh, because of what he gave, right, on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave, Jesus gave his life. Our relationships in our marriage have to be covenantal. We have to view them as a covenant of I am giving myself fully to you for life versus if you don't fulfill my unsaid or maybe my said expectations, I'm out, you know? And we all, ha we all have these expectations, and that's why marriage gets hard sometimes. I don't think it's, it's – I don't think that – I think what I'm trying to say, Todd, is that it's not that you don't have expectations or that it's not okay to have expectations. I think it's, it's what those expectations are and how you manage those and how, and how you talk to your spouse about these expectations and really trying to understand where the other person's coming from. Right, totally. And, it's, and again, it's, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. And so would you help me? Yeah. I mean, don't you think that, that – this is how we wanted to illustrate yeah. the 50-50 versus 100-100 because we think it can be confusing because Carter's working on fractions right now. And so if we tell him that two halves don't equal a whole or two holes make a whole, then it's a confusing at our house. But this is how we wanted to. Yeah, so here, take that orange. Okay. Okay, so 50-50, okay? That's 50-50, right? Okay, and technically together, when we put this together, it would be technically 100%, right? But what if... Hold this really quick. I need to step back. But what if I come into the relationship and I'm an apple? Because, you know, apples and oranges. And so I walk into a situation and I'm an apple. And or she's a man. And a man. And I give 50% of my... Think about what if Jesus only gave 50% of himself? Yeah, we'd be in trouble. But the fact that Jesus gave 100%, well, guess what? He loves his church, which is what? His bride. 
So he gave 100%, the 100%. So guess what? If I walk into this relationship and I only give 50%, what woman wants a man at 50%? Let's just be honest. I mean, it's hard enough, fellas, at 100%, right? And so the fact of the matter is, is if I walk into a relationship at 50% and she walks into a relationship at 50%, but yet we are different, apples and oranges, we're never going to actually be 100% as a couple. It's the whole idea of putting the whole orange, so she's a whole person, and I'm a whole person, whether I'm an apple or an orange, and we can figure out the way together. Because isn't that how it's marriage is supposed to be? It's supposed to be together. It's a partnership. I'm not above her. She's not above me. We're in a partnership together, and we got to stop talking about 50-50, and we got to start talking about 100-100 in our relationships, because frankly, men and women are apples and oranges. They're total opposites, right? Talk about that for uh, a sec. The, the apple, the, the, the total opposite with, with brains, with the brain, with our brain, our minds. See, this our is a perfect example. are totally How <laughs> we are totally different. Because <laughs> he totally threw me off right there. I didn't know what he was saying. But our brains process information differently. We're created differently with actual different brain chemistry uh, meant to complement each other, not right. complete each other. Right. But when we, when we give the analogy of the the whole orange, it's really just a demonstration of sometimes we have brokenness because of the preparation process in our life, and um, we have to find a wholeness in Jesus, right? right? That's what he was saying. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into this one scripture that I have. It's Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and I recommend that you go back and read the whole thing, but I'll paraphrase, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, and he's talking about how wives are meant to submit to their husband's authority, uh, and sometimes submit can feel like a cuss word to women. Um, it did to me. Um, I'll just be That's honest. That's funny, people. It's, that is so funny. I don't know why nobody, well, maybe, maybe they resonate with it, or maybe they're like, oh, we, I shouldn't say that, but... But it felt to me like a swear word um, that I was under under him and he was uh, above me and that kind of thing. And uh, what I want to say to women right now is that God created them equal. Uh, there is no male or female in Christ Jesus. And we are created to complement each other because we are equal. And so uh, if we are equal, there is a formula to how we complement each other and to how we have healthy marriages. And it's in verse 33. Um, so he talks about the wives uh, being submitted to the husband's authority. He also talks about how the, the, the men have a job too. The husbands, you are meant to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. But in verse 33, if we could just skip to that and put that down there, it says, but every husband must love his wife as he loves himself and wives should respect their husbands. And this is the formula and this is the key. And we actually have a connect group going on about this particular topic on how to integrate love and respect into your marriage relationship or your even your dating relationship. Um, it's really helpful to have that mindset shift that every man was created to receive respect and every woman was created to receive love. This is scriptural. So if a woman does not feel loved, what does she do? She disrespects. If a man does not feel respected, what does he do? He withholds love, right? Usually that's what happens. And so then we get ourselves into this thing called the crazy cycle 
where when one person or one side does not feel like their need is being met, uh, we get into arguments more, we get into unhealthy patterns more, we start bickering more. And the reality is, is that this healthy cycle of love and respect is not being implemented somewhere. And I want to encourage you today that if you feel like you're in that space with your spouse, um, that you should maybe start being the initiator of either side. If you're a man, uh, love your wife even when she's naggy, okay? If Hello. she's nagging on you, it, it's maybe because she doesn't feel loved. And she feels like, you know, you don't, you, you aren't nurturing her in the way that she's designed to be nurtured. Ladies, if he is not responding to you, if he's withholding uh, himself from you, just start respecting him, telling him what, tell him what you respect about him. Even if it's just the way he puts the dishes in the dishwasher, okay? Start somewhere. It doesn't have to be about his character right away, okay? But start somewhere because it starts this healthy cycle of love and respect. I promise you, you will see something happen in your relationship if you start implementing this. Men hear criticism as contempt and women feel silence as hostility, okay? So if, if we are in a crazy cycle, that's because there's something wrong here. There is, there's either no love being shown or no respect being shown. And a, a husband's love blesses regardless of the wife's respect. And a wife's respect blesses regardless of his love. I think we have that up on the screens. Um, but, you know, the first time I knew that Todd was really the one was based on this pivotal moment. When I had been in relationships before, I had had maybe one other serious relationship before him. Uh, I had uh, always talked about, you know, oh, he's, what do I love about him? He's a hard worker, or, oh, he's really fast on the football field, or, you know, like, what did I love about him? And I remember after Todd and I had gotten engaged, I was at my parents' house in Montana, and my mom was throwing me a bridal shower. And my grandmother had come from Minnesota to attend the bridal shower. And I remember she sat down with me. And I had a really close relationship with my grandma. I would tell her basically everything. Um, but she sat down and she asked me really sincerely. She said, no, you're getting married. This is great. Your Minnesota you know? accent. <laughs> yeah, you're getting married. And she said, tell me what, why Todd? And what do you love about him? And the only thing that I could think of to say that would sum up why I knew he was the one for me and why it was so profound to love somebody and want to marry somebody because, you know, like if you've never been married, you know, it's, you know, that, that feeling's incredible. And so even the words surprised me as they came out of my own mouth. I said, it's because I respect him. I've never respected a man before. And because of the way that they've, they've treated me or um, maybe the way that I uh, acted in the relationship, there was no respect. And for me, looking back on that moment when it came out, because it surprised her too, <laughs> she was like, oh, wow, that's really good. That's really good that you respect him. It was just this profound thought that I respected the man that I was about to marry. And um, that moment, though, was preceded 
by a preparation process that began years earlier, um, which is why we say that if your, if your process or if your preparation hasn't followed the principles, that doesn't mean God won't produce something great in your relationships because we've been married 14 years and we're planning on going the distance. Not right? planning, we are. So, <laughs> we are going the distance, okay? Um, but the moment of preparation or where we had to restart was when we were in the crazy cycle um, in our relationship. We've got lots of angles to this story, um, but I think that the crazy cycle began when we were dating. I started not trusting him, and I started fighting with him about stuff all the time, and I started accusing him of sneaking around with other girls. It was the crazy cycle. <laughs> I was crazy, and I was yelling at him. At one point, it got so volatile um, that he was like, you know what, we just can't, we just can't. I just can't with you. Like, you're crazy. And because of my preparation process, I brought stuff into a relationship because I had been, you know, betrayed before in other relationships. And so I brought that stuff in to my relationship with him. It started this crazy cycle where I was not respecting him. I didn't care. I thought he, I assumed things about him that weren't true. And so he actually broke up with me because I was so crazy. And that, that actually led me to a point of real honest, um, that was when I said yes to Jesus for the first time because I was so brokenhearted and I needed something to help heal the hole in my heart that that had created. Um, if you want to interject in the story anytime no, I just, you can, I, I, absolutely. I feel like you're waiting to say something. But no, it was, it, was a, it was a restart. It was a restart for me. It was a restart for her. And we want to bring it back to that Romans 8.28 passage that God works together for, for, for all things work. For all things work. And if maybe your, your preparation process hasn't followed that, uh, we want to encourage you that there's a great time. There's, you know, like it's never too late to begin again. Today is a day of, uh, of a newness and completion that you can go and you can start fresh. You can start new and you can move forward to, to the destiny that God really has called all of us to be. Because honestly, we, we're just in process, every single one of us. And the moment that we had to go and, and re, we really had to hit a reset and we haven't looked back since. And that was an inside of our marriage. That the was reset out. consisted of just saying yes, yes to, to Jesus, Jesus though, and, and letting him do a restoration yep. in our own life. Yep. And as he worked in restore our our behaviors. Yeah. And as he worked in us, what actually happened is he brought God actually, as he worked on us individually, he actually brought us together. And when God works on you individually, because you know what? At the time we were doing the 50, 50 thing. The other person was the other, she was my savior. That's the way I looked at it. And I was her savior. But when we look at Jesus, we start to become whole. And you start to become in a place of healing, in a place of wholeness. And there's, that doesn't mean that there's not nicks and scratches and things. But there are things that you walk through in your relationship and you want to be, and I just really believe that God wants us to be whole. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.